UBS Wealthway is an approach incorporating liquidity, longevity, legacy strategies that UBS Financial Services, Inc. and their financial advisors can use to assist clients in exploring and pursuing their wealth management needs and goals over different time frames. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. All investments involve the risk of loss, including the risk of loss of the entire investment. Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Wealth Planning Podcast on the UBS Conversations Podcast channel. The focus of our conversation today will be on special needs planning, and we're looking forward to featuring for you insights into this topic from our partners within UBS as well as from Comerica. I do have on the line with me today wealth planning strategist Eric Sini from UBS. Eric will take a few moments here at the start to provide some further context around what will be covered on today's podcast, as well as we'll introduce our guests. So, Eric, welcome. Let me pass it over to you. Fantastic. And, Dan, thank you again, as always. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Wealth Planning Podcast. As Dan mentioned, today our topic is special needs planning. Now, according to the CDC, there are roughly 61 million Americans living with a disability of some type, whether it be mental, cognitive, or physical. That's roughly 25% of the U.S. population, an astounding amount. Uh, one in 44 children have some form of autism. So with that backdrop, what we wanted to do today was spend a little time talking about special needs planning. And we often hear that term or phrase, special needs planning, but what is it? How do we engage with families that may have a special needs member, you know, whether it be a child, a sibling, spouse, or a parent? And so with us today to talk through these topics, are David Rosenthal, wealth planning strategist here at UBS and my colleague, uh, along with Don Rogers, vice president and fiduciary strategist for Comerica Advisor Solutions. David, Don, thank you as always for joining me and good afternoon. Good afternoon, Eric. So I think we'll start with David today. Um, David, we do an awful lot of planning, you and I, and this is a very complex but extremely important area of the planning as it relates to uh, special needs families. Can you give us some background here on what this entails? Sure, Eric, and, and thank you. Um, special needs planning, like most types of comprehensive planning, is, uh, first of all, ongoing and dynamic. Um, it consists of all the steps we normally think about around general financial planning, starting with understanding the client's personal and financial circumstances. Um, but planning for a loved one with special needs is really about enhancing that person's quality of life, um, you know, to the maximum extent possible and protecting them only as much as necessary and, and not to limit or restrict their potential. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's really about focusing on that family and that loved one. Right. And so that's, uh, that's not so different from regular planning, but it really is, it, it has a, an exceptional value here. What are some of the potential, potential benefits of doing this plan? Sure. Well, some of the benefits really, uh, revolve around what I would call some of the issues. And so generally, we are looking to provide financial security uh, for that individual now and, and in the future. Um, we look at things like means-tested public benefits, uh, putting together a team to provide lifetime management for that individual, discussions around appropriate housing, um, planning for caregiving needs, uh, protecting beneficiaries from uh, predators, and um, 
preserving assets really for other family members. Um, so, you know, we believe that successful planning for this type of client and family really includes having the right team of advisors. Uh, that would include tax, legal, investment, as well as fiduciaries that are going to advocate uh, for the needs of the individual. Um, and most importantly, to make sure the plan has the flexibility to deal with issues in a changing environment. Wow. That's a, that's a lot to unpack. I mean, certainly a lot of benefit can be gained from doing this the right way. How do we assist clients in starting into this process? Sure. Well, I think the good news here, Eric, is, you know, UBS Wealthway as a framework. Um, and while that is proprietary to UBS and it helps our financial advisors focus on what's most important to their clients, it can also help them begin to organize the client's priorities. You know, we always talk about wealth has a purpose. And so we, we bring that over into the special needs planning conversation as, as well. So before we go too much further, can you talk a little bit about the UBS Wealthway and what that is? You just mentioned it. And how do how do we use that to assist us in framing the conversation for clients? Sure, I, I think you know to start with, um, as we would call them, the uh, uh, the three L's and the five Q's. Although some of the questions we'll talk about in a little bit as it relates to discovery are going to be different. We know that clients' wealth has a purpose, and part of the framework of Wealthway allows us to really do a deep dive in understanding what that means from the client's perspective. Um, and as Dan said at, at the beginning, you know, this is an approach that will incorporate the three L's that we refer to as liquidity, longevity, and legacy strategies. So here with special needs planning, not only are we looking at a time horizon for, let's say, mom and dad, but we're also looking at a time horizon for either a young child or adult child over their life expectancy. So this is really doing, I would say, multi-generational planning. And when we think about, you know, discovery, as I mentioned before, um, I'd like to, I'd like to cover a couple of, of items there. Um, first, we want to make sure we understand the family's goals as they relate to their child, sibling, or family member. You know, and the answer to this question is going to be evolving. So it's important to consistently monitor the plan, and we do that by providing regular periodic views of the plan. You know, and like other financial planning engagements, we want to make sure that we understand the family's resources and any public benefits that may be available to the child. And the key word here is any legal considerations in utilizing them. You know, certainly we don't want to inadvertently disqualify a child for benefits that they may be entitled to because we, we don't understand the rules. And I can tell you that the rules are complex and they do vary state by state. And that's where we need to collaborate and have the right team of advisors involved. Um, and we can talk more about the legal aspects in a, in a minute. So. As a deliverable, I think we want the planning process to help the family first identify their personal and public resources available um, for their special needs individual. Some people talk about this as putting together a life care plan. Um, now, certainly, there are some services and capabilities that UBS provides, but there are other services that clearly an external source would need to be consulted with specifically for the tax and legal advice. But some of the discovery questions that we use uh, around special needs planning, um, you know, are going to talk about the, the funds available now and in the future and what provisions they want in place 
uh, to make sure that the child or individual doesn't lose important government benefits. Um, who's actually going to take care of those funds, let's say, when the parents are no longer here? Um, are there other children, adult children involved? Um, do they want to be involved or not in the care and financial planning of that other sibling? Uh, sometimes they feel that it's uh, overburdened. Other ones uh, will want to help, um, and whether that's providing care or um, overseeing the finances, it's really individual, family by family. And then finally, we want to understand from the client's perspective what they consider fair when distributing um, their estate, um, and that would be part of the legacy strategy conversation, asking questions about how they plan to transfer their wealth, what have they done so far in this area, and so, as you can see, the discovery process is really key. Um, one other topic we talk about in discovery is asking if they have a letter of intent or memorandum of intent. This is an important document that can help communicate uh, and guide future caregivers based on what the family ideally would like to see provided for their child. That's a lot. You know, you, you talk about discovery, and I think just generally speaking, we, we, we picture that as the cornerstone of all planning, but it's certainly really important here because as you just laid out, they're just fundamental questions we, we need to get to the bottom of when you're, when you're engaging this process. You know, you also mentioned this idea of governmental benefits, and certainly the governmental benefit portion is, is key to uh, the special needs planning element. Um, talk to me a little bit about what that means. What, how do you go about uh, addressing the governmental benefits portion of this? Sure. Well, first of all, I would say when we look at public or governmental benefits that may be available, oftentimes they're, they're just not going to be able to do too much. They're inadequate. Um, so there we can use our, our Wealthway framework to discuss the family's goals using our liquidity, longevity, and legacy strategies. Um, if we're doing projections to fund goals using our financial planning tools, uh, we can utilize the UBS Wealthway framework and inside of them. Um, we can also do a cash flow-based uh, approach as well. Uh, for example, if we want to analyze whether a client can allocate funds today or other assets, perhaps like a life insurance strategy that would be part of the, the, the legacy, um, the question really becomes how best to do that. Uh, the family may not want other siblings to take on the responsibility of managing how the legacy assets will be used, um, or the siblings themselves, as I said before, may not may not want that responsibility. You know, with that in mind, one strategy that we discuss with families is to consider uh, using a special needs trust uh, and perhaps a corporate trustee um, like our trust platform partners at Comerica. Now, this planning topic definitely needs to be addressed by the family's attorney, too, but we can provide some general information to help the family understand how a special needs trust may help accomplish their goals and objectives. Um, a key here, finding the right attorney who can handle the special needs planning is is crucial uh, as well. David, thanks. I know you just we quickly went through that, uh, and certainly the element of uh, the governmental benefits is a key part of what we talk about on a regular basis, and bringing in the rest of the team of advisors, as you just mentioned, uh, it really just scratches the surface of, of why we do this. So, um one thing you did also mention here uh, was the special needs trust, and I think I'll take that as a as a good opportunity to segue over to Don for a moment. Don, thank you again for joining us today. David just gave us a, a lot of information about 
special needs planning, um, how we go about it, certain frameworks we use to, to dive into that process. But from your perspective, you touched on the literally the special needs trust. And can you talk to us a little bit about how you engage in that part of the discussion, what Comerica's role as a trustee might be, uh, and just a little bit about the different types of special needs trust that you encounter? Absolutely. And thanks again for inviting me to join you today. Um, Comerica Advisor Solutions is the leading provider of fiduciary services uh, across the country. And we pioneered the solution of empowering families to choose their financial advisor for their investment expertise while leveraging the stability of a bank-owned corporate fiduciary to administer the trust. So my role here at Comerica as a fiduciary strategist is to work closely with our financial advisor partners to assist with their client's corporate fiduciary needs. So that actually could look like an attorney, so an estate planning attorney perhaps, contacting a financial advisor because they're drafting a special needs trust for a person, a child or an adult child, potentially receiving a settlement um, from a lawsuit. So that would actually be an example of a first-party special needs trust. And a first-party special needs trust is a trust that's funded with assets of the beneficiary with special needs from a financial settlement, for example. So the beneficiary can fund the trust with his or her own assets and still be eligible for some of the governmental benefits that David was talking about, Medicaid benefits and SSI. Um, and this type of trust, however, upon the beneficiary's passing, the self-funded special needs trust is subject to a payback provision. And what a payback provision is, is it actually requires any trust assets to be paid back to the state agency that administers the medical assistance program. So another type of special needs trust, and I think certainly when you're talking to your clients and um, in the, the planning of um, a family with special needs, a child with special needs, you often encounter what's a, a third-party special needs trust. And that's a trust created by a family member looking to the best way they can ensure the beneficiary receives the present and future care they need over their lifetime. I, I would definitely agree with David. It's perhaps even an understatement to say the cost of care for a person with special needs can be staggering. And parents who want to leave a bequest to their child with special needs can establish a third-party special needs trust to receive an inheritance. That same trust can also be used to receive gifts or inheritance from other family members. So the assets in the trust will not be regarded as owned by the beneficiary, and that would allow them to continue to qualify for government benefits. That's great. And, Dawn, you did a really good job there of, of explaining the difference between a first-party and third-party special needs trust. I think it's one of the better examples uh, I've ever heard. It did a nice job of putting a point on it. Um, one of the things that you and I have spent a lot of time on is when we're working through a family situation with that includes a special needs trust is this idea of who's going to be the trustee. Because as you and I have both encountered, and as you know, certainly from having to, to deal with this directly, uh, the person who is chosen is, is a pretty important decision. Right. It's, it's not a, it's not a simple answer of let's just go find Uncle Joe, although Uncle Joe may be very capable. Um, there's a fair amount of responsibility that goes along with it. Can you talk a little bit about, from your perspective, uh, who often takes on this role and, and the kinds of responsibilities that a special needs trustee may face? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, David touched on this also, um, just talking about a sibling and perhaps the burden that one might face when being asked 
or put in this role, um, we often are asked that question, especially when it comes to having a sibling, having a child serve or you know, their sibling as trustee. And, you know, we, we really have to remember that the primary focus of a special needs trust is to provide supplemental benefits to the individual with the disability, but without disqualifying them from receiving or to continue to qualify for government benefits. So that means the trustee must administer the trust in a manner that's consistent with the rules of Medicaid and SSI programs. The trustee is also charged with exercising discretion, which is not an easy task, even if it's not a special needs trust. Um, and that's a fiduciary duty. Um, so they're exercising discretion to cover the cost of goods and services that aren't otherwise provided by those government benefits. And it must be for the sole benefit of the beneficiary. So it's important um, a trustee must you know, make certain all distributions you know, fit within the provisions of the trust agreement. They need to substantiate that distribution with letters of a request and receipts and backup invoices. And then on top of all of those kind of day-to-day administrative functions, the usual duties of a trustee must also be handled by that family member or by that sibling. And that's keeping accurate, detailed records, prudent investment of the trust assets, not commingling the assets or engaging in self-dealing, and ensuring the fiduciary income tax returns are filed in a timely manner. The most distressing part of that is when you have a sibling call, they've done the best they can, they don't know what they don't know, and then they realize that failure to carry out these responsibilities could lead to the termination of the income benefits and the medical coverage um, to the beneficiary. So I think, you know, it's because of those complexities involved in administering special needs trusts, we actually are seeing more estate planning attorneys drafting documents where family members are actually named in more of an advisory capacity and not necessarily as a trustee. Um, you can imagine just from our conversation today, the stress of managing, of serving as trustee of a special needs trust can really take a toll on the family relationship, but it could also even affect the family member's health. And especially if just a small mistake could mean that there's drastic consequences for their loved one. Right. And that, that, that last piece that you touched on is really something I think we spend the most time talking about. It's just other than the list of, you know, the litany of things you just went through, the, the stress, right, um, of managing you know, such a trust, it just takes a toll, as you said. And, um, you know, that's a pretty big responsibility. So in terms of solving for that issue, how does Comerica fit into this process? We actually have a team, our special needs solutions team, and they are a specialized team of trust advisors and trust professionals that only administer special needs trust. So they, they're very dedicated, specialized team and the knowledge and expertise that they have in providing kind of that thoughtful relationship with the family to administer special needs trust. It's really evident in not only the duties and responsibilities that we have as a trustee, but what we do to service that client relationship. And it's, you know, coordinating appropriate benefits for the beneficiary, filing, you know, annual reports and financial reports by the courts, but looking at annual budgets, working with the family, um, exercising discretion we talked about, paying bills. You know, there's so many things that a family member might 
be doing on behalf of that beneficiary with special needs, but anything that we can take off their plate so they can focus on taking care of their loved one, you know, that's what we're going to do as trustee, even to the extent of evaluating insurance, you know, either maintaining their insurance or just assessing what's appropriate coverage for the beneficiary, working very, very closely with the guardian and the caregivers because there's definitely a balance of the physical needs and the financial needs of the beneficiary. Um, and establishing care for the physical and personal needs of an individual. So, um, I, you know, David really articulated this well. Proper financial planning can enable a comfortable lifestyle for loved ones without compromising government benefits eligibility. It can also help ensure appropriate arrangements for the continued care, companionship, and financial support of a family member with special needs are continued. But planning, it, it really is key in this situation. And so I think if we sum that up, it's Comerica as a corporate trustee and other corporate trustees certainly have the ability to fill that need where you've got that large responsibility looming and and they provide a solution, which is the reason obviously that we spend so much time working together because as you mentioned, uh, Comerica has a fantastic special needs group uh, that we work with hand in hand in a lot of these engagements. This is a really big topic and one that I know we'd love to spend more time on. As we're running here towards the end of our, our moment today for this podcast, uh, I'll probably put a pin in it, as they say. Um, for our listeners, if you have any questions regarding today's discussion or want to speak further on special needs planning for your family, uh, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor uh, who can help you start that process and bring in the resources like David and Dawn into the discussion. Because as you can see, there's an awful lot to talk about and think about. Dawn and David. Thank you again for your time today. This was fantastic. I really appreciate all the insight and expertise. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And so with that, thank you all for joining us on today's uh, discussion on special needs planning. Uh, We look forward to seeing you back here for another episode of the Wealth Planning Podcast. UBS Financial Services, Inc., its affiliates, and its employees do not provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax and or legal advisors regarding your particular situation. Comerica Bank and Trust N.A. and Comerica Advisor Solutions and its employees are not affiliated with UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements 
clients, it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.